The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, happy Martin Luther King Day and welcome 266th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for this week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net and just back last week from the college football playoff weekend in Tampa. And as always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is the NFL divisional round playoff games over the weekend. And specifically yesterday's two instant classics. Uh, starting with last night where the Steelers edged the Chiefs uh, on a penalty on a two-point conversion. And Aaron Rodgers added to his legend with his 35-second drive to take out the Cowboys. It was uh, quite a weekend, to say the least. A whole lot going on. We're going to try to get to it all here. Uh, I'll start with my bizarre story of the week, which was... Deion Lewis's 98-yard touchdown run, which I witnessed in person at Gillette Stadium, and it was one of the best moments I've ever seen in Gillette Stadium history. What made it so bizarre was uh, seeing a Patriot return a kickoff for a touchdown just stunned the home crowd for a moment, since of all the great things that the Patriots do, kick returns are not usually in their repertoire. So it was a choppy game, a choppy first half for the Patriots. Uh, They ended up covering, but it sure didn't look like they were going to uh, cover that 16-point spread, one of the largest in postseason history as the game went along. Uh, But let's not forget, in the fourth quarter, it was still an eight-point game, in effect a one-score game. And uh, then Ryan... Logan made that interception off Brock Osweiler to finally uh, put the game away. And uh, there was a lot of relief among Patriots fans who were certainly restless throughout the game. And uh, all credit to the Texans. They came to play. Uh, If you're looking at the anatomy of an upset, everything was in order. They were getting turnovers. 
And uh, the Patriots just didn't seem to be the Patriots. Maybe a little rusty with the bye week. And uh, the crowd was just tremendous at the start. But, you know, the Texans play and whatnot uh, and the turnovers took them out of it a little bit. So uh, Osweiler was playing uh, pretty good in the first half. And uh, all things considered, you know, uh, things looked in order for a potential upset for the ages. Jadavian Clowney finally has been flashing and certainly did Saturday night at Gillette. Uh, his uh, first overall pick form. And uh, he was simply a terror uh, at moments in that game and, uh, you know, looked like he might carry him. And so it was just really an exciting night. It was good to see a competitive game. Uh, Again, raucous atmosphere on a Saturday night. So it was really just something special. And now the Patriots very, very impressively are the first team in NFL history to be going to their sixth straight AFC championship game. It's just stunning. And uh, and it's really just going to be a dream game. Steelers at Patriots. Uh, as my listeners know, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area. So for me, it is the ultimate dream game. And uh, so it's just going to be something special to be a part of. And uh, can't wait for Sunday evening at 6.40 p.m. to be exact. Right now the weather looks pretty good in the 40s. Saturday and Monday look like rain, but Sunday is showing sun at this moment. But uh, we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. So let's get to the Patriots opponent, which of course is uh, is the Steelers. Um, Tremendous performance last night in the delayed game that started at 8.20 Eastern time after the original 1 p.m. start was postponed due to an ice storm. Uh, and the weather looked pretty crazy, uh, seeing the breath coming out of everybody's face masks, especially the offensive and defensive line, was uh, always adds to that surreal image. But it was a great game. Uh, Amazing to think that the Steelers won a playoff game on the road without scoring a touchdown. It's just remarkable. Of course, Chris Bosworth set an NFL record with six field goals. And Patriots, or the Steelers' weapons were, uh, they were working. They were, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell had like 170 yards rushing. Antonio Brown, who, by the way, is in the news today with his streaming video. Uh, uh, from the post-game locker room. Uh, Antonio Brown had his usual good game, including the key play to seal the victory, which was uh, catching the short third-down pass to allow the uh, Steelers to get into victory formation and and uh, put the game away. So it was really, really uh, something to see. And what else was something to see was the Packers-Cowboys game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, what can you say? He's just amazing. He added to his already growing legend. uh, And his drive with 35 seconds to win. I mean, as soon as as that situation presented itself, you knew 35 seconds was enough time for him to get it done. Maybe him and him only. 
the side of Tom Brady. And, uh, of course, he did it. That pass, moving left, hitting the receiver who just got his two feet in bounds was just, uh, that'll be in his highlight reel in Canton. And just a thing of beauty. Uh, in fact, it's safe to say only he makes that throw. Rolling to his left and throwing that dart. He just simply does things I've never seen a quarterback do before with uh, regularity now. So it was just an amazing game. All Cowboys have to just be devastated given the season they've had. And I give them a lot of credit. They were down 21-3, 28-13. Yet they came back uh, with Dak Prescott, the rookie quarterback, Ezekiel Elliott. And they, you know, they came back to tie it, which was just simply amazing. Uh, it just didn't th- seem like it was possible. It looked like the fairy the fairy tale season was going to come to a crashing halt, but they, uh, you know, they showed themselves to be a team to be reckoned with in coming years, and certainly were a team worthy of the season they had in uh, in simply tying that game. But again, as many teams have, they left Aaron Rodgers thirty five seconds, and that was uh, that was about twenty five seconds too long. So, back to the Steelers game. My low light of the week was the Chiefs' Travis Kelsey blasting the refs after he himself had committed a senseless earlier penalty by pushing down that Steeler defensive back. And, uh, you know, I just was uh, thought it was a real low light, not something you want to see after a tremendous playoff game like that. Uh, the call on the two-point conversion. Uh, the guy clearly held and then tackled took to the ground, shall we say, uh, James Harrison, who was closing in on Alex Smith. So legitimate call, not to say it doesn't happen and doesn't get called from time to time, but uh, you can't argue with it when it is called. Uh, Final game of the weekend was, of course, and the first game of the weekend was uh, the Falcons, showing that they were able to play in the postseason the way they played in the regular season. Uh, they, They... they hit the bully, the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks went down and scored at that moment. You have to just say, uh, wow, you know, are the uh, are the Falcons going to revert to their previous postseason form? They did not, and they lit it up the way they have all season. Matt Ryan was simply spectacular. And now we have, uh, you know, what is just going to be a tremendous uh, quarterback-driven Championship Sunday, Aaron Rodgers versus Matt Ryan, and then uh, Tom Brady versus Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the NFL has to be thrilled. I don't think you can ask for anything better than that, certainly for quarterback matchups. So it's going to be special. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call in expert, AP Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing just fine, John. Glad to be here. Well, we're glad to have you as always, and we're all dying to hear what it was like to attend one of the greatest college football games in history, of course, the national championship last week between Clemson and Alabama. John, uh, going into the game, I knew there were tremendous players on both sides. And, and just looking back at last year, my, my biggest fear was that Alabama would not be able to stop uh, Deshaun Watson in that offense. And my reasoning was that if you look back at Alabama's history, when they've played quarterbacks who have beaten them or have given them good games, it's been Johnny Manziel. Uh, he came to Tuscaloosa the first time, beat Alabama. It was an upset. But when they went to Texas, they never did stop them. They scored a lot of points and won on the rematch. And then they played Chad Kelly. And, of course, he had five, there was five turnovers by Alabama, but he put up some big yardage and beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. And then the following year, they went to uh, Oxford, Mississippi. They beat Chad, but they had to put up a lot of points to win. And so, right. this, you know, the same thing really happened this game. They, uh, Clemson... Uh, had over 500 yards, and Alabama couldn't stop them in the end, especially that last drive, 68 yards. And there was just too much uh, of that quarterback for, for Alabama to win that game. I mean, uh, they were they, had, they made a third down, John, believe it or not. Uh, I think it was like 10 minutes to nine, a third down play. And that was the last time Alabama made a third down play. And the game went to about, what, midnight, way past midnight. So wow. they were like, 0 for 13 after that, I believe it was. And uh, But to their credit, uh, Jalen Hurts, he let him down the field with the assist of a, a wide receiver to a tight end pass, uh, Ardarius Stewart to O.G. Howard, and they scored the touchdown. So he did his job. He put him ahead with two minutes to left, and uh, the number one defense in the country all year long, they just couldn't stop Clemson's offense. And, and it was a fantastic finish. They made tremendous catches. The wide receivers from Clemson, the tight end made a fabulous catch down the sideline uh, to his right, I think it was. And uh, so Clemson, you know, they have excellent players, and they played a fantastic game, and they won the championship. Well, they sure did. Uh, You know, that was a team on a mission. Uh, You know, they lived with their loss to Alabama from the previous year and, uh, you know, where they played well. But, of course, Alabama won that game out in Phoenix. And, uh you know, they just were as determined a team as you'll find. And, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, Alabama, just a great championship team, to say the least. Uh, you know, both teams are champions. And again, they just put on quite a show that final five minutes with Jalen Hurts' touchdown. And then, you know, you had this sense a little bit, uh, as we saw yesterday in the NFL playoff games with uh, Aaron Rodgers, that two minutes for Deshaun Welson, you know, just felt like enough, if not too much time on the clock. And then he uh, he delivered. I mean, you just got to give him credit. It was just uh, an amazing up and down, fast, mo- that rare sort of fast motion that you get like once a decade if you're lucky, especially with the stakes that high in a championship game. Uh, so it was special stuff, that's for sure. What was the atmosphere like in the stadium? Yeah, John, you know what? I think it was in the neighborhood of 65, uh, maybe 35 Clemson. Oh, really? I mean, there were Clemson folks all over that stadium. It just looked like they dominated with the tickets and things because I believe they felt, just as their team did, they were not in awe of Alabama as they competed against them last year. And they felt that they were hot. And when you beat Oklahoma 31 to nothing, that, that, that's a... That's a pretty good score. Pretty good. I mean, uh, Ohio State thirty-one nothing. That's a pretty good score, right? To hold Urban Meyer uh, no points. I think in the only time in his career. So they felt really good. They felt really good about their chances, and they brought the crowd. I mean, it's not very far. Matter of fact, John, you know what? I, I wrote down that it was like within ten miles the distance from Clemson to Tampa as it was from Tuscaloosa to Tampa. Right. Yeah. Is that right? So same yeah. distance as far as driving there or whatever. Yeah, it was like 10 to 20 miles, same distance. So there okay. was no, no advantage from the university, uh, you know, the different universities to be in Tampa. But but they were a hot team, and they were confident. And you could sense that when you spoke to them on media day. They were not afraid of Alabama. They were welcoming the challenge. They, they wanted to play Alabama. And uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, he proved he's one of the best players, not the best player this year in college football. Well, exactly. I mean, you know, we talked a lot about the Heisman, and I think we were both pretty clear, you know, that he was the best player in college football, probably deserved the award, but, uh, well, it didn't work out that way. He got the trophy he wanted, that's for sure. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we saw them out in Phoenix, Clemson and Alabama play, and, you know, I that, that was exactly my thinking going into the game was simply that, you know, the thing you most want against a team like Alabama is to not be intimidated before the opening kickoff. Not unlike the Patriots when they co- or the Ravens when they come to pay the Patriots at Gillette Stadium, they're just not intimidated. And boy, when you remove that factor, you've basically removed, you know, half the, uh, you know, half the advantage of the favored home team so to speak not in this case it was a neutral site obviously but the favored team and uh yeah so i thought that that was far and away uh clemson's biggest advantage going in that they just simply weren't scared and you said it perfectly ap they i think there was a big genuine part of them that really wanted to play alabama as if to beat any other team to win the national championship would not have been as satisfying John, and you, you can't believe uh, the confidence that they displayed it on media day and just talking to their fans and their coaches. And and the other thing that put a little bit of fear into me was that receiver. You know, they didn't have him last year. He got hurt in some freak 
play, uh, I think it was the first game of the season against Wofford. So he had 90 catches this year, almost 1,300 yards, and he was tough to stop. As you saw on that last drive, he made some acrobatic, athletic, incredible catches. And they don't make that 68-yard drive if he's not on the field. And, oh, exactly. And, and, and then they had the dynamo, the little dynamo in there, Renfro. <clears throat> I mean, four touchdowns against Alabama. Could you imagine, John? I know. It's just amazing. It really is. And, yeah. Those receivers came up big when they have to, had to, and it wasn't, you know, all uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, he was delivering the ball, but uh, yeah, those receivers were making the plays at the penultimate moments, and uh, it was really, again, just something to see. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just an amazing game, and here we are again, and now, you know, oh, and by the way, Dabo Sweeney, I mean... Got to give him a little credit here for, you know, going for it, going for the victory when he was down there yeah. with, you know, what, six seconds to go at any point. He could have kicked a tying field goal. Instead, he just, you know, he was going for it, and I think it was pretty obvious. I was not surprised for even a second that he was going for the win, uh, and I thought it was the right move. I mean, you, you just go for it. You don't want to go into overtime. No, no, no no pun intended either, John, not, not for a second. <laughs> not for a second, exactly. <laughs> But, but uh, to see those two, two teams, I mean, all the NFL scouts, I mean, watching that game, they'll be busy on those campuses in the coming months because those teams do two things very well. They recruit and develop the players. I mean, you, you can see that by their uh, way they perform, and uh, every week they're, they're just difficult to beat. Exactly, and... Uh... You know, with all the discussion over the final four that were picked and whatnot, there is no question, especially given the show they put on, that, uh, you know, the best two teams made it. Clemson whitewashing Ohio State, 31 nothing in the semifinal, and Alabama taking care of Washington in their semifinal. Uh, you know, they would have done that to any of the other teams, uh, that we're hoping to get in as well, in my mind. And uh, so, yeah, it was just, uh, it all worked out in the end. And again, those teams earned it. And then they just put on, you know, a show for the ages. And uh, it was really something to see. And yeah, I mean, uh, Clemson's been, you know, trying to climb the mountain for a long, long time. I think they had a national championship or co-national champ under Danny Ford and back in like, 81. 80, 81, exactly. So, not like they haven't been there before, but clearly they still had the mountain to climb to really, really put themselves at the top of, you know, the, the, the top college football programs, you know, the elite. Yeah, yeah, and they dethroned Urban Meyer and Nick Saban in one fell swoop. And that's the most amazing thing of all. It really is. When you just really step back and survey the whole scene, that is, that to me is the take home. Uh, that they beat two of the greatest football coaches in, in college history and, uh, you know, did it with pizzazz, you know, different ways, obviously, just dominating Ohio State and then just uh, doing what they had to do at the end of the game to uh, to beat Alabama. So, but here we are, and I'm seeing where Alabama looks to be number one in a lot of the uh, preseason polls for next year already. <laughs> Yeah, the Oklahoma face. Yeah, when you recruit the best players and have one of the best coaches and develop players, that's that's what comes with the territory, John. It's been Alabama's way 
when they were riding high. So that that's happened. Uh, John, I think one of the one of the neatest things about uh, last Monday was that Clemson won the title on the day Danny Ford was inducted into the was was named into the Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame. Oh, is that right? Wow, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, and, and John, there's there's almost ten people in that part of that Clemson program that were from from the state of Alabama. You know, played at the university or some capacity with were at the University of Alabama. I mean, it started way back. Frank Howard played at Alabama before Coach Bryant, like 1930. Then you had um, uh, Charlie Pell. You had Hootie Ingram coach there. You had Danny Ford, and you have Dabo Sweeney. So what's that? Five coaches in Clemson's history, and the three of the top coaches they played at Alabama. I know it's just amazing the Alabama connection and uh, yeah, and I thought Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban. I, I thought the uh, the way they worked with you know each other, joint press conferences, what have you, the respect they showed each other. The again with the Alabama connection, clearly they're friends, uh, albeit competitors, and uh, have a lot of respect for each other. And I just thought that really elevated the game in so many ways i just thought that uh they both came across very very well in the in the days leading up to the game and afterwards yeah there's a camaraderie there and i mean after the the ball game john you probably watched it at the end and nick saban i think it took him two three minutes just to get through the crowd and shake hands with dabble i was kind of following behind i took a little video of the of the uh the melee there, so I haven't really watched it yet. But yeah, they, he wanted to make sure he shook his hand and said something to him at the end of the game. And speaking of that, AP, where were you during the final couple minutes of the game, knowing that you know the media is allowed out on the field typically for the last two minutes? Uh, knowing you, I'm sure you were uh, had a good vantage point for the action. Well, John, I actually did on that last play. It happened right in front of me. Uh, I saw that pick play, and, and I saw him make the catch, and I saw the the other receiver go right at Marlon Humphrey. It kind of looked like he went at his legs, really. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but that was not to be called. But you know, Alabama, you, you don't lose the game on one play. You know, they had their chances to go uh, 68, I mean, you know, to stop the team from going 68 yards, and, and they're the number one defense, but they couldn't do it. So... Clemson not only beat the top team, but they beat the best defense, and that was the way Alabama won all year, really, with that defense uh, by scoring touchdowns, those non-offensive touchdowns. I think they ended up with 11, I think, for the year out of, out of the 15 non-offensive touchdowns. Right, wow. I know, that's like record-setting defense and uh, still an amazing stat that you brought up about going that long length of time without any fur- getting a First down on third down, third down conversions. Uh, that's an amazing stat, and it's funny how you know these types of remarkable stats sort of filter out after the game that you're not really cognizant of as it's happening. So remarkable, to say the least. Yeah, Alabama was fortunate to be ahead with two minutes left. You know, their offense was sputtering, and then once you know Bo Scarborough went out, he was he was really hot that night. He would he was having a big night as. As I told people, I thought Alabama would be able to run the football because I saw Dalvin Cook in person for Florida State run for 169 yards and four touchdowns. So I felt confident if Alabama could run the football, they could win the game. Uh, the other people who replaced Bo, they couldn't get it going as, as well. And consequently, Alabama came up short 
with the points because Clemson's a higher-powered offense, and it's not like you can play those low-scoring games and win the championships. Uh, you have to have a pretty good offense to, to uh, go along with your defense. Sure, and speaking of Scarborough, as we close out this segment, uh, you know, he burst on the scene, it seemed, in the Washington semifinal. You know, I watched a lot of Alabama football this year, but I don't remember him really standing out like he did in that Washington game. And then, you know, we're showing signs of doing the exact same thing until he broke his leg. Uh, Did I miss something this year? Was he that good all year? Or did he just sort of like, uh, uh, you know... Again, make his name in the in the postseason. Yeah, John, he was he was nicked up a little bit this year and coming off some injuries, and and he's not the type of player that that participates through those injuries at his best. I mean, he he but he was a hundred percent. He was well rested those last couple of games, and he really showed all his abilities. He's strong. He's elusive. He has speed on the edge, and when he gets a a lead, you know, it's hard to catch him from behind. Right. Well, he was amazing again that Washington game, and was uh, leading everyone to believe it was going to happen again, based on his uh, early runs in the national championship game. And AP, hard to believe we've come to the end of the our, our first segment together. Uh, still, lots more to talk about. Uh, you had mentioned the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, I have the. The names here of uh, the newest class, the inductees. So when we get back uh, from the break, we'll take a little time and discuss those famous names. But we'll do so after this break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice of America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, 
AP, good discussing the national championship game, which you covered in person during our previous segment. And as always, there's lots of news swirling about with Alabama, whom you cover. And the game wasn't the only news coming out of uh, Tuscaloosa in the last uh, week and a half or so. Uh, Sounds like you have other news as well. Yeah, John. Bill Battle has been the athletic director for nearly four years. His contract is four years. He replaced the late Mal Moore, and uh, he was a you know very good businessman uh, developing that collegiate licensing company. So, but he was ready to step down. He had some health issues. So yesterday, uh, last evening, it was announced that Greg Byrne, the athletic director at the University of Arizona, will be the new athletic director at Alabama. And that'll probably be effective pretty soon. Uh, they made the announcement last night. He's a great fundraiser. He's kind of like the mix of the old school and the new school. His dad was Bill Byrne. I think he was the athletic director at A and M. I think Nebraska, Oregon. So uh, Greg Byrne, he's very popular on social media. He's very good with the fundraising. He's uh, 45 years old, tall, tall gentleman, about six five or so, six six. And uh, so that should be exciting for Alabama. He, and ironically, John, he's the person who ended up hiring Rich Rodriguez to be at Arizona. You know, Alabama had originally went after Rich Rodriguez, and um, that didn't happen. But so anyway, so Greg Byrne, he was at Mississippi State. Uh, he's been at Kentucky, been at Oregon. So he's been around the country, and he's always been a great fundraiser and very engaging with the fans, with the alumni. So I think it'll be probably be a good fit that sounds great sounds like an impressive guy and uh 45 years old sounds like it could be the beginning of a, of a long run at alabama i mean once you climb the mountaintop and get that job uh <laughs> you might be sticking around for a while and he sounds like the right guy that just might do that yeah he could be around for quite a while maybe he'll be the you know nick saban of alabama athletic directors or something like that who knows exactly exactly well Good luck to him. I hope he does well, and I'm actually quite confident that he will. And we had talked about the College Football Hall of Fame class 2017 that was announced uh, on game day, if I'm not mistaken, or certainly last weekend in Tampa. And just some great names, uh, you know, to say the least. Uh, Right off the bat, it was interesting to me that, you know, Steve Spurrier was uh, elected as a coach uh, but let's never forget, he won the Heisman Trophy at the University of Florida in 1967. <laughs> and I just thought that that was, uh, you know, pretty fascinating to say the least. Uh, and I think it's great. Steve Spurrier is, uh, he's turning into like, you know, the elder statesman of college football suddenly, which is kind of weird since when I think of him, I always think of him as youthful. That's the word I've always attached to him. Yes, yeah, I've always thought the same thing. He's had that boyish charm, and you know, right. he always has that cat and mouse game that he plays with people, and he, he always he just liked being around college football players and the alumni groups, and and he's he's funny and glib on the radio and TV. So yeah, I've always thought of him as a youthful person. Yes, yes, and of course there was Danny Ford, who we mentioned. Uh, coached Clemson to their first national championship back in 1981. And then there was uh, Larry Keras, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, 
legendary coach from Mount Union, which has had like uh, the greatest FCS run uh, imaginable, to just just put it mildly. There, uh, in fact, I'm looking here: ninety-two point nine winning percentage, three hundred thirty-two wins, twenty-four losses, three ties. Now that that is a serious statistic. There, that's good in any league and any level of competition. Exactly. It's just remarkable. Wow. Like, it's a wow. Yeah, anything in the 90s. Correct. And, you know, I'm looking at the list of players, of which there are about 10. And right off the bat, not the most famous name, but the name that jumps out at me personally is uh, Dat Nugent, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, a linebacker from Texas A&M, uh, N-G-U-Y-E-N, that, of course, played... Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, and I say that because I interviewed him for NFL player engagement and wrote a story uh, not not long ago. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, working in the Dallas area. He's very successful and tremendous gentleman, great interview over the phone, and I was just absolutely thrilled to see him get in because, like I said, I, I literally uh, interviewed him by phone uh just a few months back, so that was great, and he joined a list of, you know, really household names, uh, you know, starting with Peyton Manning. I mean, he, you know, uh, Peyton Manning, of course, an all-time college star at Tennessee, and uh, obviously, uh, I'm assuming, I don't even have to ask, first ballot Hall of Famer, as they like to say, and... Uh, yeah, good to see him get in. I saw him at the games, obviously, on Monday night as well, as as many of the inductees were, I'm sure. Yes, yes, and to go back to that, he was a tackling machine at A&M, John. He probably set some records there. If Look at his bio. I know he was always watching him at A&M. He was part of that machine they had down there, that defensive machine. I forgot what they called it, the wrecking crew, I think it was. Well... So, that's so, so interesting you would say that because, of course, before my interview, as I always do, I, you know, read the bio and that did jump out at me. His career at Texas A&M was Hall of Fame worthy uh, and he had a great career as well as at the Cowboys. And then, of course, now he's again uh, successful yet again in his post-football career life as well. So it's just great to see. And, you know, Peyton Manning. He's a legend. What else can you say? It was great. They showed him walking into the game and uh, with the you know accompanying fanfare that uh, is swirls about him. And another gay, uh, name that really enjoyed seeing for me personally, Mike Ruth, nose guard from Boston College. He, of course, was to the, de- the defense of BC in the early 80s, what uh, his counterpart, Doug Flutie, was on offense. And I was fortunate enough to go to those games here in Boston College and watch those two, Flutie and Ruth, play. And Mike Ruth was a force, that's for sure. Uh, John, one thing I noticed about Mike, and I had met him a few times at the Walter Camp functions, that he made three hundred, you know, over 300 tackles, 344 tackles, 29 sacks from the nose tackle position. That's unbelievable. So it really is. You, you just don't find those numbers from somebody clogged up in that middle trying to get to the quarterback. Well, exactly right, and it's so funny you'd say that because I was just thinking, uh, you know, I was at the game, Patriots game, of course, on Saturday night, and, you know, watching Vince Wilfork, formerly of the Patriots, now with the Texans, 
<clears throat> clogging up the middle and then seeing Malcolm Brown from the Patriots. Uh, he had a sack or two in that game, I believe. And it was just, in, you know, so it was just funny because you, you, you take note when a, when a nose tackle makes a sack. So for Mike Ruth to put up those numbers, making sacks from that position is incredible. Yeah, I actually saw him in action against Alabama, and uh, he was very good, and he was tough to block, and he was in on every play up that middle. He sure was. Uh, another one, I think someone that, you know, really we've all loved because uh, of his tremendous two-sport career is Kirk Gibson. Uh, we all remember him, of course, for his famous home run with the Dodgers, uh, the walk-off against Dennis Eckersley in the World Series. First time in history that a World Series was decided at the end of game one, but that one was. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that series was over the moment he hit that home run as he limped around. We all remember that, Vin Scully's call. But, uh, and he was great for the Detroit Tigers, that 1984 team that I think started like 34-5 and five or whatever and then rolled to the World Series title for the Tigers. Uh, so he's a Michigan legend, and it was began when he was a wide receiver for Michigan State from 1975 to 1978. I remember it. I'm sure you're due, too. And one of the toughest guys ever, period. That He was as a football player, and he became that as a baseball player. Yeah, John, his statistics are overwhelming. I mean, 21 yards per catch. And, you know, he only caught 112 passes. In those days, they didn't throw the ball as much. But he had 24 touchdowns. And over 2,000 yards, 2,300 yards. So he, he was incredible uh, as a wide receiver for Michigan State. Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. Uh, another great one, Matt Leinert, quarterback at Southern California. He uh, almost feels young to have gotten in the Hall of Fame. Um, but more than worthy, uh, he had USC under Pete Carroll. On a run, he succeeded Carson Palmer, of course, and was just, uh, you know, had an amazing career at UC, USC. Didn't pan out in the NFL, but, yeah, he can never take away uh, what he did for the Trojans. No, he was, I remember that Auburn was going to open their season against USC, and they had played on the West Coast the year before against Southern California and Carson Palmer. And I mentioned to one of my cousins, said, well, there's no way the quarterback can be as good. Well, he went down there in the first game. I think it was 23-zip. They beat Auburn. So that was his opening game for the Trojans. So you knew he was going to be a good quarterback to come down to the SEC country, and Auburn had a really good team. And he, they shut him out, and he put 23 points on the board. Yes, uh, just simply an amazing career. And just to round out the list, uh, Bob Crable, linebacker at Notre Dame in the 78-81 Great player, remember him well. Marshall Falk, of course, great player at San Diego State, even greater uh, in the NFL. Uh, Bob McKay, a tackle, offensive tackle from Texas. Adrian Peterson and Brian Erlacher, uh from New Mexico. So quite an impressive list, to say the least, all well-deserving. And, uh, yeah, it's an exciting Exciting time. It's become a big part of the college football playoff weekend now when they announce the Call of Fame. It's worked out beautifully for timing. Yeah, I think that's the proper time and place to reveal those names. Uh, this year they did a little bit different. They had it on television. They didn't have a press conference where we could actually be there to ask questions like we did last year, which I missed. So 
maybe they'll return to that next season, hopefully. Right, exactly. Way well, P, hard to believe we've come to the end of our second segment together. Still lots more to get to, and we'll do so on the other side of this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, of course, the conference championships for the NFL this coming Sunday, 3.30, 4.30 start. No, 3 o'clock start, excuse me. Tough to keep them all straight. 3 o'clock start for the uh, NFC Packers at Falcons, 6.40 start. That one I know because I will be there at Gillette Stadium when the Steelers take on the Patriots. Uh, can't wait for that one. That's the game I, I live for every year. And uh, and finally, we have it. And haven't had it since the 1997 Fog Bowl in Foxborough that I attended. And here we are 20 years later, and uh, the Steelers are returning in the postseason. So should be special. And AP, uh, it's... Uh, Incredible weekend of NFL football, especially yesterday, those games. We'll start with the Cowboys. That instant classic right there, that's for sure. Cowboys, Packers. Yeah, the Cowboys, they they weren't going to go down easily. They made a big comeback, and the Packers kicker, I mean, that was incredible. Those those two long ones that he made to, to you know, put him ahead and, and then finally win the game. And it, it's, it, it's unbelievable to watch the talents at the highest level when these players can, you know, are really focused in on the game, what they can do. I mean, Aaron Rodgers making that sideline throw and then the catch and the, the receiver had to drag his feet. Uh, you know, what was it, third and 20, John, or something, made 35, right. 36 yards and had a chance at that winning game-winning field goal. And I, I don't think people realize the, the level of talent these 
players have uh, sometimes. They just take it for granted. But those are not easily done, and they're not, and they're rarely done. Correct. Well, not to mention on the game winner that he kicked one that didn't count right before it. Yeah. Now we're talking <laughs> in a year where extra points became a challenge. <laughs> yeah. That both. Uh, uh, Mason Crosby and, and Dan Bailey were routinely in the last couple of minutes of that game. It, it seemed routine. It wasn't, to your point, kicking 50-plus yard field goals with just everything on the line. It was just an amazing thing. But the most amazing thing for me, I've said it frequently on this show, It's with increasing frequency, Aaron Rodgers does things I've never seen a quarterback do in my life. And you can add that play you mentioned to that list, running left and throwing that dart to that receiver who gets his feet in bounds. It was just amazing. You know, I've talked about Rogers from Hail Marys to running to his right and throwing 50 yard darts. Uh, but now add, you know, running to his left and throwing a 22 yard dart that may be one of the biggest throws of his career. Without a doubt, it was. Yeah, John, it seemed like he just flicked the ball. Next thing you know, it's way down the field, and I'm thinking, wow. And then you see the, the wide receiver come into the picture and said, he's going to complete it. Yeah. Yeah, great footwork there, and there's a great shot I saw taken from behind the receiver, or I should say in front of the receiver, like the goal line, sideline shot that shows Aaron Rodgers' like body language, uh, you know, trying to will his receiver to get his two feet in bounds his two toes i should say uh it's a remarkable angle i'm sure you'll see it it'll become famous uh but again you know aaron Rodgers does things i've never seen any quarterback do period uh so he is something and then the steelers uh that was a unbelievable game unbelievable ending i mean throughout the game uh which i watched with uh, at a steeler watch party packed as you can imagine uh i kept thinking there's no way an away team goes in and wins a playoff game especially an arrowhead without scoring a touchdown but they ended up doing it i couldn't believe it and speaking of, and speaking of kickers six field goals the all-time nfl record postseason john do you think those players are willing to accept that a kicker is a football player now I'm sure the Steelers are. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. The the rough, tough Pittsburgh Steelers owe everything, and I mean everything, to their kicker today. So it was nice to see in a way. It was it was just unique. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, a, that's a special skill. I mean, and people this they're always making fun of the kickers, and but to me, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, uh, when these guys, they're just sitting there. It's cold weather. It's hot weather. They haven't been out there in a while. Okay, son or, or gentleman, you know, go out there and kick a 50-yard or win the game for us. The whole season's on your leg. It's just remarkable that they can perform at the snap of a finger. Right, and if you don't make it, you know, to say you're letting your teammates down and, and the, the, how crushing a feeling that has to be for a kicker. Yeah is, you know, unimaginable if you're not a kicker. I mean, so there's a lot on the line for these guys. It's a true feast or famine situation for them. And uh, I'd say the kickers delivered big time this weekend. That's for sure. And, uh, you know, some of those kickers, they need to be in the Hall of Fame. They need to get a few in the Hall of Fame because they've contributed to the success of a team. There's no question about it. You can't deny it. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Start with Adam Vinatieri at the top of that list, by the way. So, <laughs> so AP, I don't want to let our show end. We're down to three minutes, hard to believe, uh, without talking about University of Alabama alumnus Justin Thomas and his absolutely record-breaking weekend uh, on the PGA Tour where he set basically records every day. Uh, just remarkable and someone you've interviewed, correct? Yeah, John. Matter of fact, when he came out of Alabama, um, I'm pretty sure this is correct, his um, first tournament was at the Travelers. They gave him an invitation, and he came up to Hartford and uh, Cromwell, actually, and, and participated along with, I think, three or four other Alabama guys that, that weekend in the tournament. And he's always been known as a shot maker, and he lived up to his billing uh, these last couple of tournaments. He sure did. Well, it was just an amazing weekend. He got on everybody's radar on Thursday when he shot a 59, uh, tying the lowest score with seven or so other players, lowest score for a PGA round ever. And then uh, the next day he goes out, has another great round, so then it's uh, the lowest two-round score in PGA Tour history. And then uh, he really nailed it yesterday when he... Won the tournament, of course, and had with the lowest four, full round, four round score, overall score in PGA tournament history. So it's a stunning weekend by any by any standard. Yeah, and Justin, he just he's really a, a very calm person, and I got a chance to visit with his dad, who's a, I think a pro up in Kentucky, if I recall. So he's been around the game his entire life, and and I thought that he would probably be uh, on the scene quicker. Uh, this is, I think, 2013 when he came out of Alabama. But he's just as hot, as hot as a firecracker right now. And uh, look for him to have a big year. No doubt about it. And it was even fun to see him, you know, hanging out with Jordan Spieth, who I guess is his buddy and all that. He looked like he was having fun, too. He was talking about, you know, the Alabama National Championship game after his 59. I saw him interviewed on TV. He was recovering and Obviously, he fully recovered, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he got that out of his mind, and I think I think John, I'm I'm not positive of this story, but you know, George Smith, he beat, Smith, he beat Alabama with one stroke at the University of Texas, and, and prevented Alabama from having a national championship in golf. I d- I did not know that. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And Alabama Alabama ended up winning it the next year or two. Yeah, uh, following that that one stroke defeat. Wow. That's why we love having you on, AP. You give us stuff that you can't get anywhere else. So thank you again for calling in, especially your perspective on covering the Alabama Clemson National Championship game. And your insights, as always, are uh, terrific. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. I look forward to the next time. We do, too, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.